Because you do, and I should warn you. I should warn you. I should warn you. You're going to hear all sorts of things. Reused episodes from the past. Adventure affections from the future. They like something to do with Doctor Who happened. It won't be quiet. It won't be safe. And it won't be calm. They'll tell you what it will be. Tell you what it will be. Tell you what it will be. The trip of a lifetime. Do, 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 do. Welcome to and Who's Army. Do, 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 Hello all, it's you and Who's Army here with another episode bringing you a summary of all the latest craziness that's been going on in the world of Doc 2 this week. And my my, what a crazy week it's been. More and more watch along seems to be springing up all over the place. Not just Doctor Who, but other fandoms are jumping onto the bandwagon such as Life on Mars, Red Dwarf, Sherlock, Class and Torchwood. As much as I want to be able to be everywhere and watching and covering everything... Unfortunately, I can't really, so I'll be doing the edited highlights here. Obviously, in the jet analysis of, of of the watch along, I say it's been happening for ages, but it's been like three weeks. Uh, it was more focused on you, but because of Phantom Films, F- Philip Morris and a few others, some classic Who ones are coming up. So, because I'm wanting to do a Doc 2 podcast that covers all eras of the show, and yes, for anyone else, that does include the current era, I'll be all data between new and classic Who as much as possible from now on, starting this episode. So, today is new Who, and mostly going to be looking at Matt Smith stuff, and next week we'll be looking at some classic Who stuff. So, just to kick us off today, there have been, there have been some more prosy bits added to the Doc 2 website this past week. We've got one called Press Play, written by Pete Vitaig, who I can't ever think is a bit of a mixed bag as a writer. Not a huge fan of his actual episodes, but his promotional stuff for the Blu-rays, especially The Promise for season 26 of Sophie Aldridge, is astounding. This is also a good one. I'm just going to pause for you to go and catch up on it, as I'm going to spoil it for you. So if, you if you want to go read it for the surprise. All caught up? Ready? Off we go. Having season 13 in the stories to get, uh, uh, it was a really nice idea. The story as a whole is actually quite emotional and feels very fitting given the current situation. Like has a little in-universe reference to missing episodes and the whole thing's very heartwarming. Now the series entering into my mind, what if every episode of the show is actually just the Doctor watching back her old adventures? Okay, maybe that sentence sounds a bit better inside my head. Apparently people should get it. One thing I forgot to mention that happened during the Rosary Watch that I should have mentioned last week was the incoming message from Yvonne Hartman, which is a video message the great Tracy Ann Oberman did in character and sent to Russell Tufnut Davis's Twitter, which he posted up. It's a really nice little thing, especially as Tracy Ann doesn't really get that involved in Dot Two Circles, so it was nice to see her at least pop her head in. Now, Matt Smith, who will be the main topic of today's show. Just think a mere ten years ago, just begun his journey as the Doctor. Ten years. I wasn't watching the show back in 2010, so I can't involve myself in the whole buzz of feeling shocked and old and what have you. Does that feel oddly weird that he was a Doctor 10 years ago? And what great things Matt's done afterwards, such as The Crown and an absolutely marvellous play last autumn called Lungs, which I went to see. It was brilliant. He was reunited with Claire Foy, who he did The Crown with. And it was about a couple trying to get pregnant and then all their way through to their child graduating. Met him and Claire at the stage after the play, and he was really nice. Only got a chance for a quick chat and no post photos, as there's a bit of a crowd of people about. He was complimenting some who had come in cosplay as the Evan Doctor, which was nice. And he did make sure he signed programmes for everyone, which is always lovely. 
that this was at the old Vic Theatre, and if you like theatre, I'd highly recommend checking that theatre out, as their plays are brilliant and have very good actors of interest to geeks like Andrew Scott and Daniel Ray. Anyway, so last week there were two Series 5 watch-alongs. The big ones there were Dot 2 Lockdown, recognised by the BBC, and everyone has the big ones. One was on Monday 30th of March, Vincent and the Doctor celebrate Vincent Van Gogh's birthday, and on Friday 3rd of April, the 11th hour, to commemorate the 10th anniversary. I personally was utterly blown away by some of the people the awesome Emily Cook was able to enlist to join in, including Emma Frood, seeing that's how you spell her name, Richard Curtis, Ray Holman, Adam Smith, Stephen Moffat, Tony Curran, Bill Nye, Arthur Darville, Karen Gillan and Matt Smith, the two watch-alongs, all tweeting different facts and information as we watched. But first, as a fraud, just give you my own opinions for showing the highlights of what they said. I've always loved Vincent and the Doctor. It's impossible not to love, I believe, for both the deepest and most devout Whovian to, uh, uh, to people who haven't even watched the show before. There were many celebrity historicals before on the show, of course, but this is different. This isn't an educational story as such. It's not a full-on alien invasion that Doctor just happens to run in, into a historical figure. This is a full and emotional analysis of Vincent's life, not just the paintings that everybody knows, but a lesser-known side to him. Suicide is a brave issue to discuss in a family show like Who. I think it was all handled very sensitively without appearing as patronising. Tony Curran is so brilliant as Vincent, giving such a heartfelt performance that's so fantastic. Vacations look so good as well. I have to admit that sometimes I feel like New Who films overseas far too often, but Craig looks truly beautiful and really helps you to feel the artistic world that Vincent's living in. Funny enough, however, a little fun little fact about the other film locations, the church that Vincent paints is actually the Landaff Cathedral. If you look close, you can actually see it in the 11th hour just above the trees and the Doctor and Amy walk up the hill into Edgeworth, which is interesting as the village of Landaff is perhaps better known to Hubians as being... Ledworth in the 11th hour, the parts of the village force were used in human nature slash the family of blood and the wedding of Sarah Jane. And you know, I consider it a crime not to not mention that scene in the review of Vincent, a scene that's so greatly emotive, the scene that has such a great choice of music. Now I'm not now I'm usually not a fan of when they put modern music into the background of programmes, especially who, this time it felt so right. Bill Nye's heartfelt speech about Vincent really is a thing of beauty. Also, it's like a representation of a Whovian talk about their favourite Doctor actor or something, but a whole lot deeper than even that. Tony Curran's also fabulous at portraying the raw emotion of Vincent. On a side note, I like to think that Doctor Black's a timeless child, but anyway, I think this is probably Karen Gillan's strongest performance as Amy in Series 5, as you get to see a different side to travelling with the Doctor than before. Truly, is a beautifully flawless episode. I hope that someday Richard Curtis writes another episode, hopefully just as good as... So, just as before, I'll just sum up the more exciting bits of commentary that some of the famous people involved were tweeting in. First up, Richard Curtis, writer, and his wife, Emma Frood, script editor. So, he started writing this episode when we were on holiday the year before. We stuck up photos of Van Gogh pictures and waited for some ideas to come to us. It was my daughter who said, couldn't you see the monster in one of the paintings? So, Tony Curran was someone who, who I'd seen in Red Road, in which he was terrifying, I think the casting was probably the best casting decision I was ever involved in. Anyone who's heard that Matt Smith is a nasty bastard, think again. When he brought our kids onto the set, he couldn't have been more gorgeous and doctory. He wrote that line, what a whinger, so many times, and I suspect in the end Matt probably improvised it. The song playing is Chances by Athlete. We are so grateful they let us use it, that explosion when it turns a static. And here's Tony Curran, aka Vincent. During shooting, we all were seeing little bar in Trogir. Felt un- undefeated, creative and fun. 
Sean Matt and Karen will tell you doing your own stunts are always fun, invisible monsters especially. I spoke to Richard and the director when they offered me the role, which of course being the trouble side of Vincent into the episode. Such an honour to have been part of this production, where it's touched so many people who suffer in depression or mental health issues to bring it to light that it's okay to talk about it. Karen Gillan said, I now remember half those beers that Matt and Tony had a wrestling match in the hotel. Went on so long I remember having another full-length conversation and then noticing they were still going. Sorry, if my nail game is strong in this app. I, st- I still have some of the spare posters from the TARDIS scene. I remember laughing at something silly with Matt during the final scene and being told off by our brilliant director to maintain the emotional setting for Tony's performance. We shut up and it worked. Matt Seth and Bill and I also tweeted during the episode on the official at Lockdown Who account. There is more reactions than facts, so because of time, we'll move on to the 11th hour. I like how different the 11th hour is compared to the RTD episodes. It's not hugely different, however. It feels like the same show, but different at the same time. I think taking the shout out of London was a good and smart move. Present episodes in the show need to feel realistic, and ordinary society suddenly gets swept up into something so different. We need to do it right, especially with the geography. London's good because it's something the kids watching will recognise, but, but creating a fictional place also works. Something like Royston Vasey, a little boring English village. It seems quite familiar to the proposal that Mark Gatiss, Clayton Hick, Hickman and Gareth Roberts had to bring the series back in 2001 that I've read about. The Doctor would have been a strange old shopkeeper in an average village. Another interesting point is the cinematic presentation of the house. It seems much more fairy tale like when it's Amelia's house. A place that appears so magical, Blend becomes more dreary and boring when its aim is. There's a Sherlocky feel to the episode, I have to admit. This in both the writing and direction, especially in the scene on the green when the visitors are videoing the Atraxi. This series and the first of Sherlock were being developed around the same time, to extent the story does feel like it wouldn't be too amiss in Sherlock. In the original development stage of Sherlock, the series would have been six hour long episodes as opposed to the three 90 minute ones. I can't ever feel that if Sherlock had, had remained in the original proposed format, it would have been the sort of thing, thing as you have not power, lots of action. This is certainly one of the most action-packed episodes of the show ever, I mean, a fire engine. And apart from the sun, then there's no real point for breathing, as there sometimes is, on, is in Sherlock. Both Caitlin Blackwood and Karen are amazing. In, in, I only just noticed on this ring that the latter actually uses an English accent at first. You know something new every time. And Caitlin's brilliant as Amelia. I don't know if she had more flashbacks to Amelia. On the other hand, the somewhat rarity of them made them quite special. Arthur Darvill hasn't quite come into his own as Rory yet at this point. I th- think his development was stretched over a longer period. He started to really command the character with the Pandora opens, I think. Matt Siff is brilliant. You can tell that both him and Moffat knew what they wanted instantly from the character. The guest cast of both this episode and the series as a whole are fantastic. Seriously, probably the best amount of, uh, of high-profile guest actors they got in. Olivia Coleman is obviously, you know, Olivia Coleman, And love Mrs. Angelo and Jeff. While well, you couldn't say that the Devon Farrett is a definitive representation of the Smith and Moffat eras, it's certainly an explosive opening that I think set the sharp for the few years that came after. Anyway, instead of reading out tweets from the watch long, this time I thought I'd share some interesting extracts that I found on Twitter from a 2014 Caitlin Blackwood interview conducted by Emily Cook, who organises the watch longs. Obviously, some of this is common knowledge, but some of it's not. So this is just the edited, just some of the edited statements I thought were fairly interesting. I remember my mum saying that Karen had said they were looking for a little girl, and Karen told them about me. They asked if I'd like to submit some pictures, then they offered me an audition. Yeah, I did a screen test with Matt, and a fiancé they called to offer me the part. Matt is an amazing guy. In fact, almost everyone was new really gave the episode a fresh feel. I had two premieres of the 11th hour. 
Doctor Who hired our local theatre and brought Matt and Karen to Inverness for an exclusive showing. Haven't really had any crazy encounters with fans, though one time a fan did ask me my thoughts on cannibals, which I thought was kind of weird. Speaking of Caitlin, I'm sure many would have seen Blair's this lovely little animated short film called The Braggity Doctor, written by Caitlin, written by Steve Moffat, and animated by the amazing artist Sophie Oz, which I'll include a link to in, in the description as it's... Right, just closing off as per usual with a few news bits from this week. More rewatches coming up. There's one of the three Doctors on May the 9th, one of the Pilot on April the 15th, and this Saturday is both Silver Nemesis at 6pm with Sophie Aldridge and Phantom Films, then The Doctor's Wife at 8pm with Richard Clarke, Neil Gaiman and Michael Sheen. Next, National Theatre Live, which is when you can access a National Theatre show on YouTube for free for a whole week, uh, from April 16th for, uh, and then a week afterwards will be Treasure Island with Arthur Darfillin. BBC drama The A-Word has several Hooniverse famous faces in including Morvin Christie, Pukie Krenzel and Christopher Eccleston will be returning to screens on the 5th of May even though Vinette Robinson will sadly not be returning. Next big finish class box sets are due to drop onto download at any day now. No definite release dates confirmed, plus the next countermeasures set, as well as Susan's War. Speak of big finish, are offering what, what, one free download of Dot Who Story every Monday at the moment. And sadly, two more passings. Lord Bath of Longleat, who hosted Doctor Exhibitions and Conventions for many years, passed away from coronavirus and Honor Blackman, who played Professor Lasky in Terror of the Burboids, also passed recently of natural causes at 94. Right then, that's all for this week. Make sure you check back soon for the next episode. Hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you have a really nice day. Bye. Next time on You and Who's Army, Classic Week, The Enemy of the World. <laughs> Do 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 do